Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Well, good evening, church. Good to be with you again. I'm so grateful for this time of worship, a time when we get to meet with God, when the veil that separates heaven and earth becomes thin, and we're confronted with the reality and the beauty of our God. We get to praise Him together, and now we get to spend a few moments together in in His Word. I'm going to invite you to turn once again to to the first page, to Genesis chapter 1. This morning, or last night, if you were with us, we spoke about dogs, and we took selfies all in the attempt to uh, communicate the biblical truth that we are made in the image of God. And we started by applying this truth to ourselves. We tried not to think about the implication for, for, for our neighbors or for the world that we live in. We tried just to apply this truth to ourselves, to understand that according to the Word of God, you are more than special. You are sacred. You are made in his image, and he made no mistake when he made you the way that you are. To be in his image means that you resemble God. There's a sense in which you're like him. It also means that you represent God. You take him with you wherever you go. And so while you might not be happy with your body or with your personality or with your abilities. We all have to come to terms with the fact that God is pleased with the way that he made you because he made you in his very own image. When you hear about the glory of humanity, the value, the dignity, the worth that belongs to human beings, you're not overhearing a message that was meant for someone else. You're hearing a message that God has for you. When you look in the mirror, we said, you should see the image of God. Well, having said that, having applied this truth to ourselves, we also need to wrestle that there are implications beyond ourselves. Implications of this truth for how we view our neighbors and implications of this truth of how we move out into the world. And tonight, we're going to think about how this worldview, the fact that all humans are made in the image of God, should shape shape the way we think about our neighbor. This morning's sermon in a sentence was, look in the mirror and see the image of God. Tonight's is, look at your neighbor and see the image of God. Look at your neighbor and see the image of God. Tonight I want to see this truth in the text and then start to give some examples, uh, half a dozen examples of, of how this truth should start to change the way we approach our neighbors. Don't worry, follow along with me. We'll get through it. But first, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'll read verses 26 through 28. Please, as you're able, stand out of reverence for the Word of God. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us because he loves us. 
Father, we pray that you would be pleased to draw near to us once again by the power of your Spirit who is with us. You have promised to be with your children when they meet. So here we are. Here we are, gathered, eager to hear, not from me, but from, from you. So would you be pleased, Lord, to come and be our teacher? And would your love blanket once again this room, that we might understand more of your gospel love toward us, and indeed its implications for our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Okay, the image of God in our neighbor and how it starts to change the way that we think. We have to see the image of God in our neighbor because look down at verse 26 of Genesis chapter one. The Bible makes clear that we have all been made in God's image. The image of God isn't a thing that just belongs to one or two humans, doesn't just belong to some special kind of Christian over there. No, the image of God is something that in which all people have been created. God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now in Hebrew, the word translated man here is actually the, the generic term for humanity. It will be used a little later on as the, the proper name for Adam, but here it refers to humanity as a whole. It would be very appropriate to translate this verse, let us make humanity in our image. God is announcing his intention to create all of the human race in his image. And then just in case we missed it, he spells it out in verse 27. So God created man, God created humanity in his image. In the image of God, he created him, Male and female, he created them. You see God spelling it out for us? Humanity in general is created in his image, but all men and all women individually are created in his image too. We're all made in his image. We all have this value, dignity, this worth by virtue of how God has made us. There is profound equality in creation because every human soul bears the image of God. Every human soul bears the image of God and so we need to see the image of God in the mirror, yes, but we also need to see it in our neighbor. C.S. Lewis wrote powerfully and beautifully about this truth. Listen to how he describes the way in which the image of God should change the way we think about each other. Quote, there are no ordinary people. You feel like an ordinary person? Lewis says there isn't one. You feel like your neighbor's ordinary? Lewis says they're not. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. These things will die out. Nations and, 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 and cultures and arts and civilizations, these things will die. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. He continues, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. 
Yes, the sacraments are holy, not because the water or because the bread and the cup change their substance and become something mystical and and mysterious and powerful, but because they point us toward the work of Christ, how he brings us into his family, how he has shed his blood for us. So so yes, we would set aside the elements for their, their sacred use. But next to them, Lewis says, your neighbor... The person you're sitting beside is the holiest object presented to your senses. So friends, last night you did a great job. This morning you did a great job of embracing the awkward with, awkwardness with me and taking, and taking a selfie. So one more time, embrace a little awkwardness, turn and look your neighbor in the eye. Look him in the eye. Those eyes that you look into, those elbows that you can feel, they're not just special. They're sacred. They're made in the image of God. They have been made. The person that you are sitting beside right now resembles God. They're like God. And they they represent God. They bring God's presence with them wherever they go. They possess unspeakable value, dignity, and worth. And they have a soul, friends. They have a soul that will never die. You understand that humanity, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. That our souls will live on forever. Either in the the horror of, of, of hell or in the glory of heaven if we have been saved by Christ. But we will not expire. We will not end. We will live or die forever in eternity. We have eternity placed within the heart of every woman and of every man. I'll never forget the first time I felt that. The first time I felt the, the, the weight of, of eternity in, in the life of, of another human being. And it came, uh, this morning I shared about how we had our, our first child when we were 18, 19 years old. The first time I really felt the way to be made in the image of God was when, um, was, when my, was when my daughter was born. She was born with a cord around her neck. So quickly they, they whisked her away and we sat there in that, in that uncertain confusion. But then they came back and told me, she's fine, just make sure to keep her awake. So as they cared for my bride, they placed this newborn in my arms. And I blew gently on her face and I, and I played with her toes. And in that moment, I felt a weight. She was only six pounds, but I felt the weight of eternity in my arms. And what was true in that hospital room is just as true of the neighbor that you sit beside. It's just as true of those eyes that you just looked into. An eternal soul that will never die. We've been made in the image of God. Most of us, of course, <laughs> have, have grown older. Most of us, perhaps, compared to my daughter then, are way less cute. <laughs> but all of us have a soul that's made in his image that is of eternal import. So yes, see the image of God in the mirror, but also see it in your neighbor. There are no ordinary people. We're all made in the image of God. And this truth, this teaching needs to shape the way that we think about each other. 
It needs to shape the way that we think about our world. It needs to be a part of, of the Christian worldview. That it, so you see, it's not just a truth that we know, it's a lens through which we see everything. That's what the image of God should be to us. Not just the truth that we know, but part of our worldview, part of the lens through which we view all of life. Let me give you some examples to prove this point. Let me give you some examples of how seeing our neighbor as being made in the image of God changes the way we think about a whole host of different issues. Let's start, number one, with racism. You understand it's because we see the image of God in our neighbor that we care about racism. You're probably familiar with the famous Dred Scott case of 1857. Scott, who was a black man, sued to be freed from slavery, and tragically, the Supreme Court ruled seven to two against, deemed that he should stay in, in that horrific institution. Well, one judge dissented in that case, and his name was Justice John McLean. And listen to his reason. He was one of the two who voted that Scott should be free. And listen to his reasoning. Listen to what, what he said. Quote, a slave is not mere chattel. A slave is not a personal possession. Why? Because he bears the impress of his maker, and he is destined to an endless existence. Do you see the argument that's being made by McLean? Um, Dred Scott is made in the image of God and therefore cannot be a personal possession. He is a human being with eternal value, dignity, and worth. So no tribe or people or nation or language is in any way superior to the other. Some accents might be superior. Okay. <laughs> no tribe, nation, people, language are any, are, are any better than, than, than all the rest because all have been made in the image of God. And see how this starts to change the way we think. How this truth that our neighbor has made, been made in the image of God shapes how we treat people who look different to us. Shapes how we would treat refugees. Shapes how we would treat people from the nations. The image of God in our neighbor changes the way that we think. Dragon? A lens through which we view the world. Let's take another example. It's because of the image of God in our neighbor that we care not only about racism, but also about abortion. The evil of abortion is not based on our politics, but instead upon the image of God. In fact, in recent years, scientific research has only strength, served to, to strengthen the conviction that life begins at conception. From that moment onward, all of the genetic material that is needed to grow into full adulthood is there. From the moment of conception, all you have is maturation and growth. And so we would believe that to end a pregnancy is to end a life. Why? Because that life has been made in the image of God. The image of God in our neighbor starts to change the way we think. Another example is because of the image of God in our neighbor that we care about racism and abortion, but also at special needs. Our friends with special needs. Highly accurate prenatal screening can now reveal Down syndrome in, in utero. And did you know that in Iceland, in Iceland, more than 85% of pregnant women opt for prenatal testing? And the vast majority, close to 100%, choose to abort their child if they know it will be born with Down syndrome. The result is that in an average year, there are only one or two children born with Down syndrome in the country of Iceland every single year. And it's celebrated as progress. Celebrated as 
progress, but here's the thing. Our brothers and our sisters with special needs are made in the image of God. And their value, their dignity, their worth is not determined by their cognitive capacities. It's not determined by their ability to produce wealth. It's not determined even by their ability to care for themselves. It is fixed, it is immutable, and it is glorious because they are made in the image of God. The image of God changes the way we think. Let's keep on going with our examples. Because of the image of God in our neighbor, we care about racism, abortion, special needs. It's also why we care about something like pornography. Why is is pornography such, such an evil? Because of the way in which it denigrates men and women who've been made in the image of God. How it takes souls who are of eternal value and reduces them into um, objects of pleasure that are somehow to be used. When in reality, the people on our screens have names and mothers and fathers and kids and friends, and they have hopes and fears and they have dreams. They are souls made in the image of God. And if we knew many of their backstories and the tragic circumstances that have led them into the profession in which they are in, we would never be aroused. We would be heartbroken and, and horrified. We, as a Christian people, celebrate purity, not out of some kind of like, narrow puritanical prudishness. No, we celebrate sexual purity toward one another because we see in each other the image of God. The people aren't to be reduced to mere playthings, but are to be honored for the way in which God has made them. The image of God in our neighbor changes the way that we think. Okay, two more examples. Hang with me. It's because of the image of God in our neighbor that we care about racism and abortion and special needs and pornography, but also it's why we care about something simple like poverty. It's why we care about the thousands of of men and women in this county who live below the poverty level. It's why we, we care about those who don't have the means to to feed themselves. It's why we care about the 1.6 billion people globally who lack the resources even to provide basic needs like clean water and food. We care, we care when image bearers starve. We care when image bearers are cold. We care when, when image bearers have have no roof over their head. Why? Because they're precious and they're made in the image of God. The image of God changes the way we think. Okay, let's do one last example. It's because of the image of God in our neighbor that we care about racism, abortion, special needs, pornography, poverty, and also evangelism. Evangelism. Why why does your church spend so much time, money, energy, and effort to reach this community? Like, it might be easier if we didn't. If we took those collective resources and just used them on ourselves, why, why, do we, why, do, why do you give so much away? And why does your church give thousands of dollars to foreign countries that you'll probably never visit and missionaries who you don't know remember their names? Why, why, do you, why do you do that? Because here in this community and even across the world, there, there are lost souls who are made in the image of God. These people matter. 
They matter to God so much that he sent his son to save them, and so they matter also to us. The image of God in our neighbor changes the way that we think. Do you see what I mean, that this isn't just a truth you should know, but is a lens through which you must view the world? That all of these topics, and and many more, are important to us because humanity has been made in the image of God. Racism, yes, abortion, special needs, and all the rest. The image of God becomes the lens through which we view everyone. As a quick aside, I also like that that makes Christians interesting people. We care, um, we care about a disarming spectrum of things. See, our world has become so polarized and so... Um, the, the worldview has become so political, the, the lens through which we view the world from it for so many of us, and let's be honest, for some of us even here in the church, isn't, isn't biblical, it isn't viewing the world through the image of God. It's political, it's viewing the world through the lens of our tribe. And so very often, if you find out if someone is a Republican or a Democrat, you then know what they think about pretty much every single issue. Because it just so happens that all of their thoughtfulness has happened to line up precisely with their party. And Christians say, isn't it good to be more interesting than that? Isn't it it good to to have our our thoughts shaped biblically, not politically, so that we are a people who care about abortion and racial justice? A people who care about pornography and poverty? People who who care about those with special needs and the poor mom in the Muslim world. We care about some conservative issues. We care about some progressive issues because to us, they're not progressive or conservative. They're biblical because we've been made in the image of God. Incidentally, can I just say a quick word? If you're here tonight and you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian... If you're here tonight, perhaps you've been invited by a friend or you're exploring the things of this Christian faith, I would invite you to consider the, the issues that I listed a moment ago. Why is it that you care about them? Now, I want you to hear the honor in my question. I believe you care about them. I'm not saying you don't care about, about them. I'm asking why. Because, you know, a worldview without God, a worldview just based on human reason, materialism, rationalism, doesn't lead you to care about justice for people who look different to you. Doesn't lead you to care about the poor family in the slums of Mumbai. Doesn't lead you to care about that woman working in the pornography industry, and yet you do care. And I just want to suggest, could it be the reason you care about these things is that you intuitively know something the Bible says is true, that all these people are made in the image of God, that all these people are, are valuable. I invite you to consider whether the Christian worldview doesn't actually make sense of those things that you would hold so dear. Okay, look at the image of God in the mirror. Look at the image of God in your neighbor. Make this the lens through which you see and think. How do we do that? Where do we get the power to do that? How are we, how are we, are we able to, to look at people this way? How are we able to love others who are unlike us or perhaps whom we even dislike? How do we do this? We do this by remembering how we've been loved by Christ. 
that's, that's the power to live this way. Charlie McKessie is a pastor and he tells the story of a chaplain who used to do the rounds in a hospital that was for people who were terminally ill. So a chaplain who would do the rounds in a hospital in which people did not recover. Well, one day the pastor is walking down the corridor and he looks in the door and there's a very grumpy patient in there who makes, let's just call it an unfriendly hand gesture in his direction. You can use your imagination. The pastor smiles, continues on his way. Unfortunately, that kind of thing isn't that uncommon in ministry. (laughs) Well, the next day he walks down, he gets another gesture, the day after, so on, so forth. But then one day he walks down the corridor and he looks in the room and there's no gesture. The guy's just kind of slumped in in, in bed. And the guy calls to him, hey, chaplain. The chaplain says, yeah. The guy says, come in here for a moment. I know I've been been really rude to you and I'm sorry for that, but I I just like to talk. Because I know that. I've just been told I really don't have, I don't have long. <laughs> Ch- Chaplain said, okay, what is it that you would like to, what would you like to talk about? What would you like to, you know, what would you like to know? The Chaplain said, well, I don't, I don't know. Why don't you just tell me, what, what, what is it that you believe? Why is it that you're here? So the Chaplain told him about the, the basic things of our faith. About the love of God. About the forgiveness that can be ours in Jesus. About Grace. The man's just sitting there soaking it all in. And as he's turning it over, the chaplain goes on to invite him to to pray. And the guy says, pray, I I, I don't even know how you pray. Like, how do you you pray? Well, the chaplain says, it's simple. And as he said this, he, he stood up from his chair and he pulled the chair over right in front of the man's bed. And he said, just imagine that Jesus is sitting there. Jesus sitting in this chair and he's just loving you. And, and you, can just, you, can just, you can just talk to him. He, he's loving you and you can just, you can just talk, talk to him. What, what is it you think you want to say? The guy said, well, I suppose I'd say I'm, I'm scared. Chaplain says, great, tell him that, tell him that. What else would you want to say? The chaplain says, well, I suppose I'd tell him I've messed my life up and I'm sorry. The chaplain said, great, tell him that. Just, just tell him that. Anything else you'd want to say? The guy said, I don't know. Before leaving, the chaplain said, well, remember, the chair's still there. Jesus is sitting there, loving you, loving you. Say, say whatever comes to mind. Well, the next time the chaplain goes into the hospital, he walks down the corridor and he looks into the room, unsure if he's going to get a gesture or, or a welcome. But this time he sees that the bed is empty. Now, being in the ward that he's in, he kind of knows what this means, but still he goes and he checks with, with a nurse just in case they'd, they'd moved him. And the nurse informed him, no, we're, we're, yeah, I'm sorry, he, he actually died last night. But you need to know, she said, he was, he was just amazingly happy after the conversation you guys had. He kept on telling us about this chair and about Jesus and about, about this love of God. He seemed like really overwhelmingly excited about it all. <laughs> the chaplain said, well, that's, that's great. And just as he turns to leave, she says, oh, there is one more kind of strange thing. I don't know necessarily, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but when we found him, when we went into the room and found him him dead, um, his legs were in the bed, but his chest was leaning on that chair. And his arms were wrapped around it. And immediately the chaplain wept. 
because he knew in that moment that this guy had come to understand a thing that so many of us spend so much of our lives trying to grasp at, that Jesus loves you and you can rest the whole weight of your life on him. And when you receive a love like that, knowing what you're like, it empowers you to love others, no matter what they're like. And love them we should, because all of them, all of our neighbors, have been made in the image of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we do thank you for this time together and these reflections that we're able to share from the, the unchanging, solid truth of, of your word. We recognize, Lord, there are no ordinary people. We've never talked to a mere mortal. The person we sit beside right now is the holiest object that will be presented to our our senses. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help this truth to be more than some Sunday school Bible church Christian answer, but would instead, Lord, be a lens through which we view the entire world. Lord, we, would we go love our neighbors this week who have been made in the image of God? Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.